let me give you a little, little backstory because this is week three. Uh, I made a little timeline for you to see. In 587 BC, the Babylonians destroyed Judah and the temple that was built by Solomon. Now, the crushing of the temple is a huge deal because it takes away the physical connection between God and his people. It wasn't just a building, wasn't just a heritage that they lost. It was the physical connection between the Jews and God. It is a crushing spiritual blow. Everything was destroyed, not just everything they loved, but also the house of their God. For 50 years, the Jewish people were held in captivity. When they were allowed to go back to their land and start to rebuild, you can imagine the excitement to rebuild their homes and the temple. And they started strong. They built the foundation. They built the altar. Then some people opposed the Jews building the temple, so they quit. God brought the prophet Haggai. Haggai told the Jews, God says, the time is now. The time is now. They started building again, and they became incredibly discouraged. Now, the book of Haggai in the Bible is a real page-turner. Literally, it, it's one page. <laughs> and and, and kind of my, you know, reading it, I actually, I, I really enjoyed the Jews in this. And, and just, I really identified with them and even felt myself really, really pulling for them. And kind of my take, reading between the lines, if you look at their attitude, many of them really battled the same battle that many of us feel when we think, I am trying to do what you asked me to do, God, but things aren't going well. We are trying to do what you told us to do, but we're not making progress. We're trying to obey you, but God, our lives aren't working very well. We're obeying you. Where are the results? Now, the truth is, it was just an illustration of my whole message today. So the question, is it really worth it, God? Is it really worth it to follow you? Is it worth it to serve? I recognize that question. I, I'm going to church, I'm getting involved, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, but life isn't, the wor- isn't working the way I think it should be working. And as a student pastor, I see this because parents will come up to me and, and say, My kid is really struggling. Uh, They are worried about their kid. They are fighting for their kid. And they say, my kid is hanging out with bad friends. They're blowing off school. Their attitude is horrible. Uh, They're in trouble with the law. It's rough. And so I ask, uh, are they in a small group? Well, it's hard for them to to make it to their small group because they're just so busy. And I ask, are they serving on a dream team here at church? Well, they haven't really found something that they really enjoy. And then I ask, are you coming to to church together with them? And they say, they've been, but it didn't really help. Uh, But I've been coming. This is what a lot of people think. I tried the thing. I said the prayer. I I did something good. I went to church, and it's not working. God, where are you? Is it even worth following God? Years ago, when Rockbrook was not very many years old at all, uh, worship team, we didn't have a drummer, and I, I thought, I'll, I'll learn. I'll, I'll learn to play. So I, I went and took lessons from a guy here in town, and, uh, and he wasn't a Christian. Uh, I just took lesson, lessons from him. He, he was a good guy. Uh, he was a good drummer, and I really liked him. 
and he played a lot of clubs. He did some touring with bands that had signed record deals. And I kept trying to get him to visit Rockbrook. And Dan wasn't interested. Now, our small group at the time was going through a study about how to tell people about Jesus Christ. And the small group video we were watching, the guy in the video said, ask them two questions. The first question you ask them is this. If you were to die today and stand in front of Jesus, and he asked you why he should let you in, what would you say? And then you let them answer. And you find out if they're a believer in Jesus Christ or not. And then you ask them this question. If you were wrong, would you want to know it? Well, the guy in the small group video said, I have never had anyone say no. Everyone wants to know the right answer to that question. Well, I'm watching this in our small group, and my stomach, I, mean, I feel it in my stomach. My heart starts beating. I'm like, this week is my last week with drum lessons with Dan. This is my last shot at telling him about Jesus. And uh, this is it. I'm going to do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it this week. Well, I, I drove up to the uh, drum lessons and, uh, and was nervous. But there was Dan sitting outside of the music store on a bench. And I thought, well, that's kind of odd. So I walked up and said, what's going on? And he said, oh, our drum room is occupied. It'll probably be about another 10 minutes or so. Let's just, let's just visit. And we're like... So we visit, and then Dan says this, how's your church going? <laughs> and, oh, I, I felt sick. The, uh, <laughs> my, it was, here we go, here we go. I, uh, so I asked Dan the first question. I said, hey, if you were to die today and stand in front of Jesus, and he asked you why, you should let him, why he should let you into heaven, what would you say? And Dan started to talk about how he, was, he wasn't a bad person, and he does more good than bad, and I'm getting excited. <laughs> like, here we go, here we go, question number two. And I asked him question number two. If you were wrong, would you want to know it? And Dan says, nah, I think you're better off not knowing. I told God, God, evangelism isn't my thing. <laughs> I stink at this. I've never had anyone say yes to that question. <laughs> I told God, listen, I love church. I love being here. I love serving. I, man, I'll, I'll do hard, hard work. You're going to need to find someone else to tell people about you. Because apparently it's not me. I'm out, God. Tried it, didn't work. I appreciate what we're going to talk about today. Because this is what is happening with the Jewish people. They are trying to build the temple. And it is not going the way they thought it would. They're wondering, is it even worth obeying God? This is what I want you to write down. Uh, this is the problem that we all face. It's the problem of conditional obedience to God. Conditional obedience to God. Okay, God, I, I'm in it. I'm in, I'll do this as long as you're delivering. Uh, I'll obey as long as it doesn't cost me too much. God, I will do what you want me to do as long as I see the results I want to see. 
But if it makes me uncomfortable, if it is inconvenient, or you're not doing what I think you should, God, I'm out. Conditional obedience. I will obey as long as it doesn't make me uncomfortable or I see the results I want to see. Conditional obedience. Conditional obedience. Annie, my wife, she calls this selective listening when our children do it. Okay? It's selective listening. She'll yell, kids, let's put up some clothes. Kids, hello? Nothing. But my wife and I will be in the kitchen and I will step in close and I will say, Lo, hey, you want to go to the store? And from another room, someone will yell, Are we going somewhere? What is that? It's selective listening. That's what it is. It's selective listening. I hear what I want to hear, I'll obey the commands that I want to hear. Now, I am like this. We can be like this. Oh, oh, I love that part. Oh, God, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. Ooh, that's a good one. But love my enemies, forgive my enemies. Uh, I think this must be a messed up translation because I'm not forgiving my enemies. I hate my enemies. Pray for my enemies. You bet, God, I will pray for their eternal destruction. That's what I'll pray. Okay, not caring for my enemies is selective listening. You know, God works all things together for good. Ooh, ooh, put that on a plaque, stick it on the wall. Love that. But wait until you're married to have sex. Okay, God, you do not know what it's like to be a man. Okay, you do not know what I'm dealing with, what I'm, the urges. You do not know what I need. That's selective listening. I will obey as long as I'm comfortable. It's conditional obedience. Now, what's recorded in Haggai is going to get really, really serious here in a moment. Because God does not give us options to consider. He commands us to obey. God does not give us options to consider. He commands us to obey. And we're going to see God show very clearly to his people the corruptive power of sin. Okay, The corruptive power of sin. This is what Haggai does. And if you remember earlier, God's people turned away from God, and they, they got distracted. They start focusing on other things. They're worshiping different uh, other idols. And their hearts were not with God. They put their own house ahead of God's house. Now, for us, the dwelling place of God, the house of God resides inside of us as a believer. And I want you to picture that as we, as we work through the rest of this today. So God tells Haggai, the prophet, and he tells Haggai to ask the priest some questions. Now, let me just say, these questions are a little bit weird at first. So Haggai, verse 12 of Haggai 2. Haggai asked the priest, if one of you is carrying some meat from a holy sacrifice in his robes, what does that mean? Uh, well, that's kind of weird. Because uh, my fr- what? yeah, that's weird. So I found the answer to that question. The, uh, the priest... When they were going to sacrifice, they wore these robes. Now, they're not just carrying meat around in their robes. Uh, but they would take the robes, and they'd, they'd pull it up, and then create a little sling, come up a meat pocket to carry, carry the meat around. That's, so that's what's going on. That was different than what I pictured. So Haggai asked, if one of you is carrying some meat, around, uh, some meat <laughs> from a holy sacrifice in his robe, and his robe happens to brush against some bread or stew or wine or olive oil or any other kind of food, will it also become holy? 
And the priest replies and says, no. So holiness does not rub off. And if I clean my hands and I touch a dirty plate full of spaghetti sauce, do my clean hands make that plate clean? No. In fact, that dirty plate might make my clean hands dirty. This is what he's saying. And then he illustrates that principle in verse 13. Haggai asked, if someone becomes ceremonially unclean by touching a dead person. So you touch a dead person, that makes you unclean. And then if that person touches any of these foods, will they be defiled? And the priest answers, yes. He's showing that sin is like a disease. Sin spreads easier than holiness. It's the corruptive power of sin. Paul said it this way in the New Testament. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. He didn't say good company cleanses bad character. You could say that sin is like spaghetti sauce. It stains everything it touches. And this is where the text gets tough. Verse 14. So Haggai responded. This is how it is with this people and this nation, says the Lord. Everything they do and everything they offer is defiled by their sin. Now, this is challenging because they turned away. Their hearts are going after other interests and not after God. Because of that, God says, everything that they do, everything they offer is defiled by their sin. That means when your heart is not right with God, everything you do will be wrong. When your heart is not right with God, Everything you do will be wrong. Let that sink in. I mean, there's some pushback to that. Um, I don't know about that. I mean, can't, everything is going to be wrong. Jesus said this. Hey, if you're going to church and uh, you want to give an offering, but first you remember you've got something in your heart against someone else, what did Jesus say to do? He said, leave your gift there at the altar. Go and make your relationship right. Get your heart right and then come back and give your gift at the altar. Because if your heart is not right, doesn't matter what you do. Whatever you do is wrong. Now, parents, you know this is true with your children. Uh, one kid does something to another kid. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, you need to apologize for that. So he walks up over and walks to his brother and says, sorry. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. That, that wasn't an apology. You, you can't yell, I'm sorry, like that. Uh, that. The heart's not right. You need to tell him, tell him in a nicer voice that you're sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, we're having a little discussion. Because <laughs> now you, you're dealing with me. Uh, okay, you need to go to your brother and you need to apologize for real and you need to give him a hug. The heart changes. Everything changes. I'll go, I'm sorry. I'm sure that doesn't happen at your house. <laughs> same word. Same word every time. Wrong heart. Different heart. The right heart is the only thing that makes it count. Attitude matters. If your heart isn't right, whatever you are doing is wrong. 
So what do we do so often? You know, God, I will obey you. I will obey you as long as what you are doing is what I want. God, I'll obey you as long as this is working out for me. I will obey you as long as it doesn't cost me too much or it's convenient. That is a completely wrong approach to God. We do not obey God so that he will bless us. We obey God because we love him. It's all about the heart. We do not obey God for what he is going to do to us. You know, bless us, make our lives better. We obey God because of who God is. We obey God because we love him. This is why getting our heart right matters so much. God reminded his people in Haggai 2 verse 15. Look at what was happening to you before you began to lay the foundation of the Lord's temple. Now, if you were here at week number one, before they laid the foundation, man, we looked at a verse that so many people identified with. They said, hey, you are drinking, but you're still thirsty. You're eating, but you're not full. You're putting your money in pockets, but your pockets have holes in them. You're doing everything you can to have meaning in this life, but you are still empty. You're accumulating stuff. You're trying to have as much fun as you can, but you feel like, man, there's something more. You're working your tail off, and you're not getting ahead. What is going on with this? He said, before you built the foundation, that's where you were. Then in verse 16, he says, when you hoped for a 20-bushel crop, you harvested only 10. You thought you were going to get paid this much, but when the paycheck came, it was half of what you thought. It is not working out like you thought it would Next verse, he says, when you expect to draw 50 gallons from the wine press, you found only 20. Verse 17. This is really tough. God says, I sent blight and mildew and hail to destroy everything you work so hard to produce. Ouch. What is that? God says, the reason you didn't get ahead is because I didn't let you. Now, if I'm honest, that just seems mean. You know, I'm working hard, trying my best, and you, God, keep me from success? Why in the world would a good God stop us from having provision when we're doing everything we can just to survive? What kind of God is that? Is that the kind of God I want to serve? Is that the God that truly loves me? Why would God do that? Well, the next part of the verse helps us to see. Verse 17, God says, I sent blight, mildew, and hail to destroy everything you work so hard to produce. Even so, you refuse to return to me, says the Lord. There it is. There's the reason. God is not trying to punish his people. God is trying to restore his people. That's his goal. Now, I've realized that God may not change your negative situation because God is trying to change your heart. Now, I am not saying that every bad situation that you're in comes from God. I say, oh, you deserve, you deserve it. You know, God is sending it. No. Uh, we live in a sinful, broken world. And there are times when our hearts are turned away from God. And God may send something with the intention of bringing our hearts back to him. Now, what's really loving to me is what God did. All he did was cut off their supply. Notice he didn't make them sick. He didn't kill their kids. He didn't do something cruel. He just cut off their supply to get their attention to turn back to him. I need, I need. God, you're my provider. I need. Now, if this seems unloving for a moment, remember, if you are a loving parent, you would do the exact same thing to a rebellious kid. 
If your kid is off at college and you're sending money every month to help support your kid and your kid is smoking it away, drinking it, partying it away, not going to class, abusing your generosity, the first thing you're going to do is cut off the supply. As a loving parent, that's what you would do. Why? Because until your heart comes back to the right value, I'm not going to continue to support your your reckless lifestyle. This is what God said. I'm not trying to punish you. I'm trying to restore you because I want your heart. Your heart has turned away from me. Now, week number one, you remember the simplicity of God's message. Uh, They're like, I know we're supposed to build the temple, but we don't know how. And God says, here's how you do it. One, two, three. Okay, number one, go up the mountain. Number two, bring down the timber. Number three, build my temple. That's how you do it. If you miss a week here at church, you miss so much. Just, you know, go up, go up the mountain, bring down the timber, build my temple. Uh, Week number two, uh, God said, you know, just uh, they're they are getting discouraged. You know, we're discouraged. We want to give up. And God says, just be strong, be strong and do the work. Put down another stone. Put down another stone. Stay in the game. Just be faithful. One stone on top of another. Building the dwelling place of God in your life. Successful people do consistently what normal people do occasionally. Just put down another stone. And week number three, here we are. God has one simple message. I want your heart. Here's what happened. You used to love me, but guess what? Now you turned away. You're distracted by other things. I want your heart. I want to be first in everything. It's all about the heart. I want your heart. God says, you can have a nice house, but don't put your house ahead of my house. God says, I want your heart. I can be so in love with God and so faithful to God, and then something doesn't happen the way I think it should, and all of a sudden I have conditional obedience. God, is it worth it? We don't obey God so God will bless us. We obey God because, God, I love you. That's why what we do here is so important. That's why coming to a service together, where we come together and we sing together and we serve together and we say, God, we love you with all our hearts. That's why bringing your kids and being an example for them, living, giving God your heart in front of them helps them. That's why this matters. That's why small groups matter so much, because, you know, the pull of the world is so strong. We gather together with other believers and we say, God, we want to do life with you and we want to encourage each other. That's one reason why the giving matters so much. God, as you bring increase into my life, I choose to give back to you first. God, I seek you with all my heart, because for me, it's so easy to quickly become discouraged and distracted, even as a pastor. There are times when I am focusing on the wrong thing when God doesn't have my heart. There is something Jesus said, and he quoted out of the Bible from Isaiah, saying, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. I'll do the God thing as long as it is going well for me. Now, here's the beauty of this time in history, in the history of the Jewish people. Here's why I loved reading Haggai, because God got their heart. Because their heart came back to God, so did the blessings of God. 
not because they obeyed, but because their hearts were right with God. Haggai, chapter 2, verse 18. God says this to them. Even though they hadn't finished the temple, even though they didn't do anything to deserve it, only because their hearts had changed, God said, I am giving you a promise now. Now is the time. Now is the time to work on God's dwelling place. Now is the time to get your heart right with God. Now is the time to repent of sin that you have rationalized and justified. Now is the time to put God's house first over your house. Now is the time. And God says, I give you this promise now while the seed is still in the barn. You have not yet harvested your grain and your grapevines, your fig trees, your pomegranates, your olive trees have not yet produced their crops. You haven't even planted the seed. But here's what the Lord God says. But from this day forward, I will bless you. Even though you didn't have seed planted, I promise you will have a harvest of blessing. Why? Not because you built my house, but because you gave me your heart. Some of you will experience a miracle from God. A miracle that no one may see on the outside because this one's going to happen on the inside. You may be obeying openly, but you are rebellious or discontented inwardly. No more lip service. We will give him our heart. We do not obey God because he blesses us. We will obey God because, God, I love you. There are people here today who are turning their hearts back to God. Would you pray with me? Father, we ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would work in us. God, I know we can be in your house, but our heart's far, far away. God, I thank you that your Holy Spirit is doing a work right now, drawing our hearts back to you. God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love, even when your love is difficult and tough. Thank you that you're a God that disciplines the people that you love. God, we recognize that it's not all hard times from you, but we know that you use hard times to draw us to you. And God, if you're allowing something, causing something difficult in our lives, and you want to use it to bring our hearts back to you, God, we want to come running with everything that's in us, putting you first above all else, loving you, God, with our hearts. Now, as we keep praying, nobody looking around, we talk briefly about the corruptive power of sin. Let me just be as clear as I can. In our world today, sin is not a popular subject at all. Sin is incredibly destructive. And if we're honest, there are some things in here, there are some sinful things that, they're, they're just fun for a time. This is fun. I like this. But in the end, it will mess you up. Some of you right now, you're in that messed up part. You've got a secret sin that has taken over your life. Some of you, you're in a place where you feel like, I don't know how I could even recover. How could God ever love me? Here's the beauty about God. Scripture is really, really clear that God loves us so much that he sent Jesus, who was born of a virgin. Therefore, he didn't have the earthly sin nature. He was completely sinless so he could die on a cross for our sins. Scripture says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, Your heart matters. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Every sin forgiven, washed away as if it never happened. God will not hold it against you. You recognize, I need his grace. I need his forgiveness. You cannot earn it. 
You do not deserve it. It is freely given to you. And that's why you're here today. It's time to say yes. You say in your heart, God, in my heart, I turn to you. In my heart, I call on you. In my heart, I return to you, O God. Forgive me. I give you my heart and my life. I give it all to you. Jesus, I need your grace. Today, by faith, I give my life to you. Heavenly Father, today we give you our hearts. We ask for your forgiveness. Jesus, make us new. Fill us with your spirit so we can know you, so we can serve you, so we can follow you. In your wonderful, precious name we pray. Amen.